All right, folks, welcome back to an episode. Here we go. I'm your host, you with the most, uh, most stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going for. <laughs> anyway, I'm so dumb. Anyway, uh, welcome back, everyone. On this episode, we're going to be specifically talking about the trade deadline that is coming up. In literally like three, four days, the deadline is August 2nd. This is when baseball gets really exciting. It gets, ah, I don't know how to describe it. It's just an awesome time in baseball because can, some teams that are on the brink of being a contender can pick up that one piece, trade for that one piece, and it could be something truly incredible. But as of right now, the only person that's been dealt that's roughly a big name was Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals to the New York Yankees. How dare you go to New York? But, you know, they can just get everyone they want because, you know, they're the Yankees. Anyway, so that was the first big one. But here are pretty much the 12 players and 12, like, pretty well-known players most likely to be traded. And they're, like, got some got some notoriety and some fame to their name. So here we go. So the first of the 12, we have Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. Catcher, all-star, solid dude. Pretty much, like, the only remaining guy from that World Series, excuse me, World Series team that had Anthony Rizzo. Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, freaking Jago DeRizzi, list, you know, list goes on, okay? Jake Arrieta, whatever the guy's name is, list goes on, okay? So Wilson Contreras introducing a new catcher can be tricky for a contender as it can take a while to learn a new pitching staff, but Contreras is arguably the best bat available on the market. So teams might look to acquire him as a designated hitter and part-time backstop. Part-time will not happen because the guy is an everyday starter. No way. Either way, the impending free agent seems like a lock to be moved, which is really sad because there was like a there was a press conference where he's very emotional. That pretty much he knows he's gonna get he's gonna get dealt. He's been a Cub his entire career. You know, poor heart and soul, heart and soul of the city, the team won a World Series for them. He's an All Star with them, so I know. Obviously, he seems like a very sentimental guy, and that sucks. And obviously, it showed in the in the post game interview. He's getting very emotional. It's tough, but. It's just the business of the game, so one of those things. And potential landing spots for him are the Astros, the Mets, and the Rays. So just be on the radar for him to be moved, which will more than likely be, will happen. Next on the list is Luis Castillo, starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati has danced the Castillo trade dance for the past year or two, but most believe the Reds will finally move their ace prior to this trade deadline. He's literally been in talks for like two, three years. It's like, yeah, like they're not joking. Castillo's having an all-star season, is under club control through 2023, and can impact two pennant races and postseasons. He's the best starter available on the market and should bring a nice haul for the Reds. It's very true. Potential landing spots, mm, terrific. The Dodgers, Blue Jays, and the Yankees. Just fucking get out of here next on this is david robertson cubs relief pitcher high leverage relievers are always popular trade targets this time of year but what they but when they're on relatively affordable deals they become even more desirable robertson is owed a little more than 1.15 million this season plus a hundred thousand dollar assignment bonus and another five hundred twenty five thousand in potential performances bonuses of which the acquiring club will be on the hook for a portion but given his renaissance this season, he owns a 1.83 ERA and 35 appearances. For all you baseball people, that is pretty fucking nuts. In his vast postseason experience, their 37-year-old will be a big addition for a contender's bullpen. Hmm, what do you know? Potential landing spots. Mets, Rays, Yankees. So we've had the Mets in two of the selections so far. We've had the Rays in two selections so far and the Yankees in two so far. See if that trend continues. Oh, it does. 
Don't worry, it does. Next person on the list is first baseman Josh Bell, the Washington Nationals. Whoever gets this guy, I'm telling you right now, the dude is solid. Hitting over 300 for a first baseman. 13 bombs, 877 OPS. Could literally can slot in DH first first baseman like he is insane, but he's owed roughly 3.3 million th- through the end of the season. I really think that's like very affordable for obviously any team to man. 3.3 is nothing, and obviously he's the only player on the Nationals that's not just getting any traction. We all know who that is. We want to talk about him at the very end. Potential landing spots: the Astros, Brewers, and the Mets. Astros are now two times on the list. The Mets three times on the list. There is a trend, people. Obviously, we are seeing the names resurface over and over again. Fifth player on the list, Frankie Montez of the Athletics, right-handed relief pitcher. Montez's shoulder issue earlier this month caused him to miss a pair of starts, but he returned after the All-Star break and has pitched twice, allowing three runs over eight innings. Montez sat in the 95-96 mile-per-hour range in the early innings of his most recent start, and while his velocity dipped in the fourth and fifth, he looked like himself throughout the outing. Any concern over his arm could bring the level of return down. Yeah, no one gives a shit, okay? The guy's a freaking stud. But with another year of club control, Oakland will likely wait to move him in the offseason if the offers are lighter than expected. You know what? Oakland poverty franchise, okay? Just don't even freaking, don't, don't play the game of baseball. Just quit. Trade everyone. Trade everyone. Like this guy, Montes. Near lock to be traded. He will be gone, 100%. Potential landing spots, Cardinals, White Sox, and Yankees, okay? Another Yankees in there. Yay. Next on the list at six, Brandon Drury, Reds infielder. I think he's played like third and second base before. The 29-year-old impending free agent is having a career year, already setting a personal best with 19 home runs. Any team could really take pop for 19 bombs. That's pretty awesome. Drury's ability to play multiple positions makes makes him an attractive addition for contenders, as does his bargain basement price tag. He's owed roughly 300000 for the remainder of the season. That is dog shit change, okay? 300000 like that's not even the league minimum, okay? That's freaking crap compared to what other guys are making. Potential landing spots, Braves, Dodgers, and White Sox. Next on the list at seven, Noah Syndergaard, Angels relief pitcher, or right-handed pitcher, excuse me. He is in their starting rotation. So this was another big one. He gave him like a massive contract and... Everyone was like losing their mind. He used to be on New York, the Mets, where they had DeGrom, and then they also had Tom Walker and you know, some other solid guys, and they were like unstoppable. And blah, blah, blah. But after having the Tommy, Tommy John surgery, uh, yeah, it's uh, velocity has dropped for him. It's his fastball is averaging just 94 miles per hour right now, a stark difference from his 98 miles per hour heater prior to Tommy John. Usually, it's supposed to be the opposite. Your your velo goes up when you have the surgery, so. Yeah, it's definitely concerning for most clubs, but the 29-year-old has pitched to a 3.83 ERA in 80 innings in 2022. Solid. You know, anything below four is pretty solid, especially his pedigrees. And obviously coming off an injury, so that's hard, but he's a pretty solid pitcher. It's unlikely that center guard would be acquired as a top-of-the-rotation arm. I mean, he used to be that way, but not anymore. But teams looking for rotation depth might be willing to take a chance on the righty who will be a free agent this winter. The Angels could likely get a better prospect if they are willing to pay down the $7 million he's owed for the rest of the season. Even $7 million doesn't even really seem that bad. But potential landing spots for him, the Blue Jays, Phillies, and the Twins. Next on the list at 8 is Jose Quintana, Pirates left-handed pitcher. He is a starter in the rotation. Five years ago, Quintana was one of the most notable names on the trade market. Ultimately moved from the White Sox to the Cubs in a deal that landed Dylan, that landed Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez on the south side. 
It's been a tough run for Quintana since then, but the lefty is enjoying a bounce back season with the Pirates giving Pittsburgh a solid trade chip heading into the deadline. With only about 650000 left on his contract, Quintana will be a highly sought-after rental arm. I always feel bad for these bullpen guys because they always get dealt. Like if I was a bullpen arm in baseball, not even a starter, a bullpen guy. Okay, my chair's making a noise. Sounds like I'm freaking tearing ass in my room, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> lost my train of thought. So the relief guys, back to what I was saying. I just I feel bad for the relief pitchers because if I was one – like if I did a career in baseball, I would not want to be moved. Like I'm the player where like I wherever I go, I'm loyal to that team. I, I don't I don't want to be moved. So in the relief pitchers, they just get absolutely just thrown around like pieces of candy. So like it's just a massive bummer for these guys. I I mean Pirates obviously aren't extremely good, but if I were him, probably maybe would want to get moved. But I don't know what his thought process is on playing for the Pirates. So. Maybe I have to have a discussion with them if I ever get the chance to meet them. Potential landing spots for Quintana's, the Brewers, Guardians, and Mariners. Next on the list, Mr. David Prothel of my Arizona Diamondbacks, starting left fielder for the D-backs. Prothel's value is simple. He hits right-handed pitching extremely well. His 830 OPS against righties this season makes him a legitimate left field DH platoon candidate, and some of the league's contenders have struggled against right-handers this season. The 34-year-old is in the final year of his three-year, $22 million extension, so he's owed less than $3 million for the remainder of the season. Potential landing spots, the Padres, the Rays, and the White Sox. As a Padre fan, I would have no problem with him coming to the Padres. Like, who doesn't want a guy hitting 830 for an OPS off righties? Like, that's absolutely rad. In our outfield, if I'm not mistaken, the Padres outfield, one of the lowest OPSs this year combined. It's absolutely horrible, so... Will Myers is still out. Trent Grisham has been very just not good in center field this year. And Jerks and Profar, utility, another platoon guy, surprisingly has had a very good year in left field for his pedigree. So it'd be cool to have Peralta platoon in the outfield, truly. So if he comes to San Diego, that'd be incredible. If not, then I would have no problem with the D-backs keeping him because everyone in the organization thinks they're going to dump him, but I don't think they should because... He's solid. Like, I mean, he's not going to give you crazy numbers, but, like, dude, he'll give you 250, maybe 20 bombs, and maybe, like, 60 to 80 RBIs. I mean, 34-year-old, dude, like, that's really not that bad. So, I mean, I don't know. People have their opinions, and that was that one's mine. So, next on the list is Daniel Bard of the Rockies, relief pitcher. Like Robertson, Bard is a 37-year-old closer enjoying a big year on a losing team at a relatively affordable salary at $4.4 million. Unlike Robertson, who was in his first year with the Cubs, Bard has been with the Rockies since he returned to the majors in 2020. So it's possible the two try to continue their relationship with the new extension if no deal is reached. Bard figures to be a popular trade target as multiple teams have already expressed interest in the right-hander. Potential landing spots for him is the Cardinals, Dodgers, and the Yankees. Next, we have... Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs starting left fielder. Unlike Contreras and Robertson, Happ is the one Cubs trade candidate who is signed beyond 2022, so Chicago could wait to shop him again in the offseason. But Happ, who has played all three outfield spots during his career and can also play three infield spots in a pinch, is coming off of his first all-star appearance, so the Cubs could try to capitalize on his solid season and move the switch hitter by Tuesday. Potential landing spots, Dodgers, Padres, Phillies. That would be such an awesome fit for the Padres. Like, power in the outfield, a guy that can really give you some just absolute run support and literally can play all three outfield spots and three infield spots. 
Utility, power, contact. Take all three. Thank you. Sign me the fuck up for that guy. For real. And lastly, the big tuna, the big freaking marlin of the whole thing. Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals starting right fielder. Yes, this list obviously has to include him. The feeling around the industry is that the closer it gets to the deadline, the less likely it becomes that Soto is moved by Tuesday. The Nationals are rightfully asking for perhaps the biggest package of young talent the game has ever seen. And while waiting until the offseason would put a slight dent in Soto's value, he could impact three pennant races and postseasons if he's dealt this week, but only two if he's moved this winter. The return for Soto in the offseason would still be astronomical. Potential landing spots is Cardinals, Dodgers, and Padres. Just imagine, and it would be such bullshit, if the Dodgers, which I know they'll do because they're pansies, if they somehow got him and so were able to keep Bellinger, Mookie, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Justin Turner, I freaking Gavin Lux, my God. My God. You talk about, I remember I bitched about Freddie Freeman joining the Dodgers and how that ruined baseball, that would destroy baseball. Who, who the fuck would want to watch anymore? Who the hell would want to watch anymore? Who wants to watch to watch the Dodgers? Who? Raise your hand. Who would want to watch them? But the Padres get Soto for two years. You have three MVP caliber players on that team. Machado, Tatis Jr., whenever he returns, and Soto Jr. You're telling me in that two-year window, before the contractual year comes up, before the tra- before all that's done, before he maybe signs with us and we have to give him something, we wouldn't be able to keep him, I think. true. I mean, there's no freaking way we'd be able to. But those three, that is a World Series team, at least this year or next year or the other, or 2024. 100% would happen. So, but like it said, don't know if he's going to, I mean, we're, today is, excuse me, what, the 28th? No, 29th. So, 30, 31, 1. Yeah, we got four days. Four days till the deadline. So don't know how I feel. Obviously, I would absolutely love. If he came to the Padres, that literally would just shock the whole baseball world. And I think that, I don't think really that would make baseball unfair. Truly, I mean, the Dodgers just have a plethora of really good players. San Diego, like, has just two really good ones. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that would be amazing for baseball. But also, another dark horse candidate for him to land would be Seattle. I would love for him to be a Mariner. Imagine that outfield. Jesse Winker, Julio Rodriguez, Dylan Moore, Jared Kellenick, Taylor Trammell. Oh, my God. Young outfield just bombing, dude. That'd be absolutely insane. But anyway, moving on from the trade deadline, obviously August 2nd, keep your eye out for who gets traded within today to that deadline. Obviously, it's usually gets heated up like usually like a couple days before, so the 31st, so Sunday. Be on the lookout for a lot of guys getting moved. Maybe some, maybe not even the 12 guys I mentioned. Maybe this, those guys all stay. Who freaking knows? But then maybe... They all get moved. That'd be pretty cool. But ending the podcast with what I mentioned on my TikTok earlier as well is the Arizona Diamondbacks start a six-game road stand. in it, So six-game road stand just in general, but the first of three games in Atlanta. Yeah. So first game of three-game series against Atlanta Braves, who are 59-41. and 41. Fits, First pitch is at 7.20 p.m. Eastern time tonight. The season series, the Diamondbacks lead 2-1. The Diamondbacks are coming off a three-game sweep over the San Francisco Giants. They are 5-1 since the All-Star game, and have won six of their last seven games overall. Uh, yeah, we back the D-backs. Let's go. And the Braves lost the Braves lost two of three games on the road against the Philadelphia Phillies. They are 3-3 three three since the All-Star break. They, tra- they trailed the NL... NL East leading New York Mets by three games, but they are the first. They are the first wild card spot team, if I'm not mistaken. Let me go 
Excuse me, I'm going to go look at the standings real quick. So National League, so they're 59 and 41. Yeah, 55. Yeah, 50. Yeah, so the Braves are first in the wild card. They're three games out from first. And then I didn't say where the Diamondbacks obviously are. They're in fourth place, <laughs> 21 games out from first, but they are not in last anymore, a record of 45 and 43. Okay, so just playing competitive baseball this year. Just much better than last year when they were the worst team in baseball. So I'm just very, just I'm excited. They at least have been making some interesting games, you know, making it fun. But today, projected starters: left-hand pitcher Madison Bumgarner versus right-hand pitcher Kyle Wright. Bumgarner six and nine, three point seven one ERA, makes his twenty-first start of the season. He has a one point three <laughs> little brim f- 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 fart. He has a one point three three WHIP, two point eight. 2.8 ball, uh, walk to nine ratio. So every nine innings, he's almost walking three guys a game. And 6.7 K9, so almost seven game, almost seven strikeouts per nine innings and 104 one-third innings pitched. Has had a decision in his last 11 starts. He has won three of his last four. In his last outing, he pitched like eight innings to his best outing of the whole year, eight innings, two earned runs. The whole Victor Robles clown thing, like just an awesome start from him. In June, in June first start against the Braves, he took the loss in a 6-0 defeat. With six inning pitched, with six innings pitched, two runs, two earned runs, seven hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. So really not a bad outing. Right on the other hand, 12 and 4 record, 2.95 ERA, makes his 20th start. He has a 1.16 with hitters in position, 2.6 walk, 9 ratio, and 8.9 K9 ratio and 116 innings pitched. So sample size, he's pitched what, 12 more innings than Bum? So and then uh, Kyle Wright was the starter when Braves beat Bumgarner with six innings pitched, zero runs, three hits, five walks, and five strikeouts. He's 8-1 in his last 10 starts. The Braves have won his last six starts in nine of his last 10 outings. Okay. And the projections with betting and stuff for the first game is the Braves win 6-3 to three over the D-backs. So, yeah, if you're into that realm, they got uh, the money line. Uh, here we go. The spread over under. Uh, they're saying take over 8.5, negative 130. Yeah, take the Braves at negative 1.5, negative 130 against the spread. Yeah, all that betting shit I just don't understand. But if you're into it, then we, I just gave you some little info. But thank you all for checking for another episode of Bond with Tyler Todd. And it's been fun trying to keep it, just trying to keep this, you know, this bitch going. You know, keep it just, keep it just freaking cranked all the time, so. I'll be seeing you in the next one, next Friday, 5 p.m. Peace.